You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 46, verses 8 to 13, as well as several other Scriptures, and we're going to be talking about the fact that God is unique. In fact, over the course of the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at the Trinity and what Scripture tells us about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, as we learn who our God truly is. But before we take a look at that scripture and these concepts, just a couple quick things I wanted to share with you. First of all, I just wanted to invite you to stop by our website, desirejesus.com. During the course of each week, we enjoy when we have the privilege to hear from some of you, and many of you contact us through our website. So again, it's desirejesus.com. We have a whole bunch of stuff there. We have our blog, we have our Bible studies, we have our bookstore and devotional resources. There are links to both of our podcasts there, and there's also a way that you could sign up to be on our weekly email newsletter list. And you'll find that all at desirejesus.com. And we're really grateful for those of you that reach out to us during the course of the week for a variety of reasons, but it's nice to hear from listeners. And we're grateful for the encouragement many of you have given us as well, as we've been producing these podcasts now for a year and a half. It's kind of crazy just how quickly that time has gone. So again, stop by the website, let us know you're there, and uh, we'll be grateful to be able to share any of the resources that we have with you. They're all available at desirejesus.com. Now, as I mentioned just a moment ago, today we're talking about the fact that God is unique, and we're going to be taking a look at the Trinity. We're going to be taking a look at how God has revealed himself to us in his word. And so for starters, we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 46, starting with verse 8. And then as we continue through our study today, we'll be looking at quite a few other scriptures. But for starters, let's look at Isaiah chapter 46, starting with verse 8. This is what we read in this portion of scripture. It says this, Remember this, and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn of heart, you who are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness, it is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion, for Israel my glory. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful for the privilege that it is to be able to look at your word together today and to be able to meditate on its content and to grow together as we study what your word reveals about you. So, Lord, we pray that we would learn more about your nature, more about your will, more about your purposes, and how you operate in the lives of those who know you, trust you, and love you. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be able to look at your word together today as we study it now, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Many people in this world claim to believe that God exists, but if you ask them to give you specifics about what he's like and what he does, you're likely to be given a lot of opinions, but very little biblical evidence to back those opinions up. God desires a deep, personal connection with his creation. He isn't disinterested and uninvolved with what he has made. He doesn't ultimately desire to be disconnected or distant from humanity. For these reasons, he has intentionally made himself known to us. Creation itself testifies to his existence, but in addition to that, he has intentionally and progressively made many specifics about himself known to us over the course of history. Now, at present, does God seem distant and unknowable to you? Would you like to get to know him better or more deeply? Likewise, God has revealed himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Typically, we refer to these three persons as the Trinity, but do we truly understand this concept? Well, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, beginning today and continuing for the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at what the Scriptures demonstrate about the divinity, the unity, the ministry, and the relatability of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And one of the things that Scripture reveals to us is the fact that there is one God, and He is unique. Now, in this world, there are many belief systems, and there's a considerable amount of confusion regarding things like our origins, moral standards, and our ultimate outcome. During the course of my life, I have met people who believe there are many gods, people who believe there is no god, people who worship idols, people who worship demons, people who worship royalty, and even people who worship their ancestors. A quick glance at humanity demonstrates that we're longing for a sense of meaning and something deeper to reach out to for help. At one point in human history, it was clearly known that there was a God. There was no initial confusion about this. But Lucifer, an angel who fell because he wanted to be worshipped, encouraged humanity to engage in worshipping him and also worshiping ourselves, and also worshiping creation, instead of worshiping God, our Creator. We could have rejected these notions of misplaced worship, but instead we embraced them, and throughout the course of history we have seen the parade of religious confusion that has been on display ever since. From the beginning, the Lord made himself known to mankind with the intention to foster a genuine relationship with us. He has told us in his word that there is only one God, not many. He's also made it clear to us that he is unique, and no one else is completely like him. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 5, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And in Isaiah 46, verse 9, the Scripture says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God. There is no other. I am God. There is none like me. No idol, false god, or man-made system of belief compares to our God. He isn't one of many viable options. He is the only option. 
And just as a spouse should never flirt with someone outside their marriage, so too does the Lord make it clear to us that we shouldn't be flirting with the false gods of this world. Scripture refers to unbiblical teaching as the teaching or the doctrine of demons. Let me show you what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. That's what the Scripture reveals to us. That's where unbiblical teaching can be found. But the Lord has called us to yield the affections of our hearts only to Him as we learn to love him with all our heart, all our soul, and all our might. God's Word also reveals to us that he exists as three co-eternal and co-equal persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God desires that we know him deeply, and in the process, he has graciously allowed us to learn more about him. There is certainly much about God that we don't yet know fully, so in some respects we need to learn to become comfortable with a healthy level of mystery when we're talking about God, but progressively, over time, the Lord has given us additional information about himself so that we can develop a deeper understanding of who he is, what he's doing, and how we can relate to him. Throughout history and in the scriptures, the Lord has made it clear to us that while he is one God, he exists in three co-eternal and co-equal persons called the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And while this is true, it's also difficult for us to fully comprehend because there's no other perfect illustration of this concept in creation that we can appeal to for perfect clarification. It's also important to note that We don't worship three gods. There is one God who has eternally existed in perfect community and relationship with himself. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are each distinct in their role, but one in their essence. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God, and they are eternally united as one. The word Trinity isn't in the Bible, but that's the word we often use when we're describing God's triune nature. Various places in Scripture speak of our triune God. One such place is Isaiah 61, verse 1, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Notice again where that verse says, the Spirit, so we see the Holy Spirit reference there, of the Lord God, so we see God the Father reference there, is upon me. And the me references the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus referenced this Old Testament passage at the start of his earthly ministry to express that he was the fulfillment of this prophecy that speaks of the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, we see another reference to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where it says, And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called the Son of God. So again, in that passage of Scripture, we have reference to the Holy Spirit, reference to the Most High, reference to the child who is also called the Son of God. 
Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 say this, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So again, in Matthew 3, we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus also made it abundantly clear that he was one with the Father in John chapter 10, verse 30, where he said, I and the Father are one. And then in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father would send to those who believed in Christ. And Jesus said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Isn't it amazing? to consider that our perfect, self-existent, triune God would care enough about us to come to us, rescue us from sin and condemnation, and promise to remain with us as our helper and the one who would lead us in the direction of truth. Now, Scripture also reveals to us that God creates, He redeems, and He gives grace. When I was a child, I would often wonder about what God was doing. I pictured him doing things like sitting on a large throne, throwing lightning bolts, and even bowling. And as silly as that might seem, I had been told as a young child that the sound of thunder was actually the sound of God bowling. And I guess that's somewhat entertaining, particularly uh, in light of the fact that here locally, where I live today, it's been thundering quite a bit. But there's a lot of misguided thoughts floating around as to what the Lord spends his time doing. But thankfully, the Scriptures make some of his actions and his activities clear to us so that we will have ultimately an accurate understanding of his work. Scripture teaches us that God is the Creator. Psalm 95, verses 4 and 5 say this, In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Psalm 19, verse 1 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Scripture also teaches us that God rescues and redeems his creation from the corruption of sin. Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 say, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Scripture also teaches that God gives grace to people. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 says it this way, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. In regard to our salvation, it has been orchestrated by the Father, accomplished by the Son, and applied by the Spirit. This is the kind of work our God is doing on our behalf so that we will have the privilege to enjoy the riches of his grace and blessings for all eternity. There's one other thing I want to point out today, and that's this. 
Our deepest longings demonstrate our need for God. The very longings of our hearts serve as a testimony to our need for God. Both our existence and our joy are dependent on Him. The deepest parts of our souls are crying out to be satisfied. We're longing for peace and contentment that cannot be obtained in any other way other than through a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. We long for love. This world speaks frequently of love, but it usually means lust or infatuation when it uses that word. Our hearts are longing for an abiding, unconditional love that isn't diminished by circumstances, and we find that love in the Lord. We long for relationship. Many people in this world make some of their most regretful decisions trying to satisfy this longing in unhealthy ways. But our God, who eternally exists in perfect relationship as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, invites us to find ultimate satisfaction for our desire for healthy relationships through experiencing a real relationship with Him. We long for peace. This world treats peace like it's the circumstantial pause of conflict. But our God offers us greater peace than that. Through Christ, our souls find rest. The shame that once dominated our conscience is quieted, And now we hear the voice of the Lord calling us blameless because we've been covered by the atoning blood of Christ, and we've been forgiven. We long for the end of pain and sorrow. Our Lord promises that he will bring a day to pass when sorrow, pain, and mourning will all come to an end. He will reign both on the throne of our hearts and the throne of this earth. He will be worshipped as God once again, and this confusing era where people live as if they don't know who he is will come to an end. For decades, one of the most recognizable people in pop culture has been Marilyn Monroe. I'm certain you know who she is, and you've heard plenty about her, and you've seen different advertisements that even feature her today. Now, in her day, she was considered the standard of beauty, and men practically threw themselves at her. She was also regularly treated poorly by those who were in powerful positions, and while her life may have seemed glorious, it eventually became clear that she was sad, lonely, and felt deeply unloved. Consider some of the things she said during her life. She said, A woman can't be alone. She needs a man. A man and a woman support and strengthen each other. She just can't do it by herself. She also said, Sometimes I feel like my life has been one big rejection. She also said, I'm a failure as a woman. My men expect so much of me because of the image they've made of me and that I've made of myself. When you get past the glamour and the fame, what do you see? You see a longing for relationship, a longing for acceptance, a longing for grace, and a longing for unconditional love. Her tragic life is a powerful illustration of the struggles we're wrestling with as well. But what does the Lord reveal to us? He reveals that He alone can satisfy those longings. Those unsatisfied longings persist because we keep trying to fulfill them with things that never can. There's a void in our lives that cannot be filled by anyone or anything other than our triune God, 
And we can come to know him personally through God the Son, Jesus Christ, who took on flesh, walked among us, and intentionally made himself known to us so that we won't need to wander like dissatisfied, malcontent, lost sheep forever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to look at it together today. Lord, we're thankful for the various scriptures that we were able to read together today as we meditate on the concept of who you are. And by your grace, Lord, we pray that we would come to know you more deeply. We pray that we would understand your triune nature. But we also recognize, Lord, that that's quite difficult for us to wrap our minds around fully. So, Lord, to the highest degree that is possible, we pray that you'd help us to understand these things about you. We pray, Lord, that we would grow in our walk with you. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you've revealed to us as we look at your word and as your Holy Spirit speaks to our minds and our hearts. We commit ourselves to you today, and we thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, we invite you to stop by our website. And when you stop by our website, be sure to check out all the content that we have there. It's available for you, and we hope you'll enjoy it and use it. And sign up for our weekly newsletter. Each Tuesday, usually, we'll send something to your inbox that's geared toward encouraging your walk with Christ, and we certainly hope it does so. So that's at DesireJesus.com, and we'd love to encourage you to stop by this week. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and we look forward to catching up with you again right here next Monday. Take care. considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, or art to make, or perhaps businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, Search and follow the Messenger Movement podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com.